Join me, Professor RPG, as I sit down with friends, colleagues, and special guests as we reminisce and discuss role-playing games that left their mark on us. Expect to see all sorts, from Western style to Japanese and even tabletop. So stay a while and listen, and let us trigger those memories of tales long since completed. Relive that fantasy you hold dear, and come along with us, adventurer, on this quest into the past. Welcome to the RPG University. Hello, my name is Dead Eye Declan Dane. I'm the greatest fucking marksman in the land. I'm the best shooter I could knock the fucking venom barbed tail off a wyvern from a thousand fucking paces, don't you know? There was one time I was fighting outside the Dark Lord's Tower, and I decided I would climb the fucking Dark Lord's Tower. Did I mention I had a dagger sticking out in each of me thighs? Yeah, I killed his fucking assassins. I climbed up the tower, my legs bleeding, all the way to the top, slipped through, snuck into Dark Lord's chamber room, beat him to death on his own chamber pot while he was taking a shite. Hi. <laughs> That was awesome. <laughs> Class is in session, and today we're going to de- dive deep into the magic and spells involved in crafting a world and a story that the world can experience with a seasoned world crafter. As always, I am your host, Scott White, also known as Professor RPG, and this week I have the pleasure of welcoming to the university author of the comedic sci-fi series Space Tripping, a contributor to various anthology works, and the co-writer of the Red Opera Last Days of the Warlock Dungeons and Dragon campaign module, Mr. Patrick Edwards. How's it going, Pat? Hey, Scott, how are you? It's, I'm great. Thanks for having me. Oh, of course. Well, always, uh, I'm very excited to kind of rack your bane, brain about the creative process and what go the work that goes into making these incredibly fleshed out worlds and narratives and everything. So thank you. For joining me tonight. Yeah, nothing. Excuse me, one second while I wipe up some spittle from doing that voice. <laughs> oh, it was glorious! It was glorious. So that's my current boy. Yeah, uh, in my current campaign. Yeah, he always has a story about some great feat he supposedly accomplished. <laughs> that seems that grows more and more improbable as it goes on. I know the the I, I believed it. The whole climbing up the tower with two daggers stuck in his thighs that must have been rough. Uh, mm-hmm. Quite impressive. Oh yeah, very very mm-hmm. impressive. Um, but yes. You are an author. You have written a bunch of things. You've crafted worlds. You've created characters. You've, uh, like I mentioned, you've uh, worked on anthologies. You've um, been on podcasts. You've done Let's Play game or uh, live play games. You've done all sorts of things, podcasts and whatnot. Mm-hmm. So I want to get an idea, like, where did you begin or how did you begin your nerd journey? Yeah. So, um, I, you know, like many of us, I've always been a fan of things you would call nerdy, right? Like as a kid, uh, even before it was super trendy, right? You know, I think mm-hmm. there, to some degree, all kids like some superhero stuff or, you know, some sci-fi things, um, sword and sorcery. But uh, as far as, so I, I always, you know, was a fan, but as far as professionally, getting into this world i wasn't happy through a lot of my 20s uh because i was just i was i did the sensible thing right i I, uh went into business and 
Um, I just was feeling very unfulfilled and I didn't, and it was just one of those things where it's like, I know I like this stuff and I feel like I'm good at telling stories mm-hmm. and crafting and, but it was just one of those things where I had to kind of kick myself in the gear and say, you know, like uh, how, how I know I swore a bunch on that open on my character. That's fine. I, it's fine. I, am I allowed to swearing is allowed. I need to like say like, fuck the fear and the risks of how impractical or not, like figure it out. If this is what you want, make it happen. So I challenged myself. I was like, all right, uh, I could spend, I could spin my wheels. Basically it was like, I'm going to pick and I've actually given talks and panels and cons now at this point about this too, about the importance of, of focus mm-hmm. and kind of like gutting through and like, it's more important to finish a fewer things than to have a million unfinished projects. Um, I'm really trying to, sometimes I've catch myself taking on too much, but I really try to limit the amount of active things I'm working on mm-hmm. at any one time to a very small number. Like, Honestly, two is a great number Um, until you finish one. Don't start another one in earnest, because I think we all know and we might be guilty of it ourselves. People that have so many started projects, very few finished projects. Um, So I kind of challenged myself. Write a book, write a novel. Beginning to end. Mm -hmm. Can you do it? Everyone. So many people talk about wanting to write a book or this or that. Write a full a full fleshed out novel. So I did. And the one I felt like I had the strongest grasp on like the characters and where I was going with it was this, uh, comedic, very just low stakes, fun sci-fi misadventure called space tripping. So I wrote that. And then I had heard about this company that did like contests and like I was mm-hmm. in a con, and I was in a contest that was sponsored. Uh, they were doing one that was co-sponsored by Nerdist Industries. And it was the theme was space opera. So essentially kind of Kickstarter-y for like a book. You basically okay. create a page and you have a premise and, you know, um, some people threw up little videos. Some people, you know, try to get mm-hmm. some cover art mocked up. And then you basically hustle and you try to see how many pre-orders you can, you can bring in and, you know, whoever can bring in the most pre-orders would get uh, like a publishing package for it. Uh, so I did and I, and I won that contest. Oh, how cool. And so, yeah. And then, um, it got some good reviews, like from the San Francisco book Chronicle. It was, um, nominated for best new sci-fi at the dragon con awards mm-hmm. or dragon con in Atlanta. Oh, wow. year. And, um, it, uh, like I got like a, an audible adaptation, uh, so it did well. Uh, and then, so that was kind of the first start. Um, that was, that was, that was like my first sort of, you know, mm-hmm. kick things off. And then not I, a, not a bad also, uh, outcome yeah. for the first go no, at yeah. it. You know, it's like, Oh, one <laughs> yeah. awards, got a publishing thing, got some good reviews, won some awards at dragon con, you know, just beginner stuff. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then, the original publisher, they changed some things that they were doing that didn't sit great with a lot of the writers that were working with them. And um, 
this concurrently while this is happening, I'm working on a sequel to that. And also I uh, getting I'm getting really into podcasting. I always listen to a lot of podcasts and, and I enjoy talking to people. And there's another thing I feel like I could I could do this and really like it. Enjoy this. And it's and it's something you can do if you're creating doing creative works. Podcasting is a great tool, not not only like this going on other mm-hmm. people's shows, but doing something on your own as well to kind of foster because, you know, it's yeah. you can do quick you can do regular output and output in short intervals with podcasting mm-hmm. right which yeah. i can't write a book every week i wish um <laughs> you'd be very but, tired you know to kind of right but to kind of keep an audience engaged people that like your voice and like what you do um both mm-hmm. literal voice and you know voice yeah. on the page but uh so i was getting into podcasting and then working on my sequel trying to figure out and and then uh you'd mentioned anthologies that was kind of my bridge the gap where there's this there's this really great collective of writers called the writing block and block is bloc excellent human beings uh most of them have had novel a novel published at least and but they kind of created this collective of like support for each other and it it started with a couple of uh themed anthologies and mm-hmm. one of them is called escape with an exclamation point and one of them is called deception. And the whole point is there's 20 stories in each of them. I have one of those 20 stories and there should, you know, the underlying theme should be escape or, um, deception. I always tried to be, to take a, a weird approach mm-hmm. to both of those. Um, <laughs> like my, my escape, uh, is about three versions of the same guy from like parallel universes trapped in a really shitty, parallel world and when i say shitty i don't mean like apocalyptic i mean like so annoying (laughs) just like the most annoying (laughs) reality ever um just a world of microaggressions and they're like we've got to get out of here how do we get out out of this world to the next (laughs) the world Um, where you always have that one horrible song stuck in your head and that itch that you can't reach yeah i think it's something yes stuff like that and there was a thing i think uh where to open any door like if Mm -hmm. you're in public trying to walk through a public building to open any door you have to either pay or or watch an ad before you can open the door sounds awful um yeah uh so (laughs) i was doing that i was working on my sequel i had um the the novel series, the space tripping, it's kind of this weird roundabout. I connected with this uh, small local indie publisher who I really liked, and they really liked me. There you go. They're bouncing back now, so this is great. So I'm mm-hmm. I'm skipping to the end. There's a silver lining here, but unfortunately, um, I had signed with them, and they were going to put out my sequel in 2020. Well, being small and indie, a lot of their revenue was con based, oh. setting up booths and selling. Um. 2020 you know killed that model and they basically had to suspend operations and the owner of the publisher was very gracious and released me from my contract um because they didn't want to hold me up which you know and in Mm -hmm. the interim i signed a deal with black rose writing and they are republishing it's actually out now as of us recording this they republished my first the first space tripping it's a new version of it Mm -hmm. there's a little short story now at the end that wasn't published before um, and then the sequel, Space Tripping to The Chaser, is finally coming out in December of 2021. So I'm really excited about mm, that. Congrats. That's very exciting. Yeah. And then also <laughs> <laughs> along the way, <laughs> let's talk about RPG stuff. Along, So getting all that out of the way, right? Mm-hmm. So that's all the right. non, let's get all the non-RPG stuff 
out of the way. Um, I had met another writer named Rick Hines. He actually, uh, his first novel was published in a very similar manner to mine. He had won Mm -hmm. a, um, I forgot what the exact theme was. It was like horror dystopian theme contest, Mm -hmm. I think hosted by Geek and Sundry. And he's written for them, Geek and Sundry before, like GM Tips. He's written for Nerdist. And um, we're both originally from Chicago. I don't live there anymore, but we're both originally from Chicago. And he came to my first book signing. We met and we just really hit it off and just kind of hung out all day. And just became buddies, Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, comrades and and writing arms. And uh, he, he and I were talking and he was talking about this new project he was thinking about taking on where he has a friend who's the front man for a band called Dia Morte. They're uh, like a gothic heavy metal mm-hmm. band and they they have a, an album and a stage show they've been performing for a while called The Red Opera. And it is like an it's like a metal opera. The, the, it is oh, a story. Very cool. It's very dramatic. And they um, and Rick had pitched to them and they said, man, this should be a D&D campaign. I mean, because there's a huge mm-hmm. overlap with like metal fandom and D&D fandom. And yeah, um, it originally was going to be this little like. 20,000 words flat page, right? Like this little one-off. But Rick was talking to me about it and he's like, you do like some D&D like live stream and podcast stuff? I said, yeah, I've been getting into that and um, I've had uh, I'm in the second year, second season of a show on the Geekly Inc. network where we do you know, it's a real play mm-hmm. show. Our one thing is we're in the daytime because <laughs> it's a bunch of us people that work from home or like yeah. writers or artists or things. So it's Thursdays at 2 p.m. on the Geekly Inc. channel. Um, we're currently playing through. I think we're going to pivot. The original thing was we're going to always play through whatever the official Watsy new big new campaign book mm-hmm. is. So like we did Descent into Avernus for the first season last year. We're doing Rhyme of the Frostmaiden this year. I think we might just kind of go our own way next mm-hmm. year, but um, it's a lot of fun. Came hang out with us. We're a, we're a rowdy bunch. Thursday if your Thursday afternoons are boring, but um, so he's like, hey, do you want? I want to talk to you about this. Maybe maybe this. I'm, I'm getting the sense this is not a one person job writing this thing. Mm-hmm. So. He and I went at it, and before we knew it, we had this behemoth campaign on our hands, and and it's like ten chapters. Um, there's ten songs on the track on the album, so it kind of worked out that way. Mm-hmm. And, then, and there's three acts in each chapter, and we really thought we had some uh, some unique stuff here uh, for a couple of reasons. One is, and this was all Rick's idea. It was he was like, I have this idea where I want to do campaign books that take a class. And it's all about like the class and it's like a mm-hmm. showcase for the different things the class can do and shine some light on some nuance. You know, of course, create yeah. some original subclasses for it. So we felt warlocks were a really good fit for the the vibe of the album and the source material. And also we felt they were a class that's underutilized or gets less attention. So we built this whole world in this like city and setting around warlocks and um and built this dark, bloody, gothic campaign around it. And then the other thing is, it's it's all it's all original. Like, you know, mm-hmm. it, yeah. it's independent. So it's all so all like the monsters and the enemies are original. And um, my big thing was the setting. The main thing was like settings and encounters. Mm-hmm. And I really worked hard and pride myself on because I love the indie. I love RPG tabletop RPGs, but I. And combat's fun, but I have a real issue, especially with fifth edition of I can't stand vanilla combat where it's it's just 
you're in a room and there's five orcs and okay fight and then you mm-hmm. hit them and they hit you and you hit them and they hit you and then it's all over i really wanted to try and make a, a campaign where every encounter every every instance of combat is is dynamic mm-hmm. is always there's always two things happening it's you've got to fight this thing but also you got to worry about this thing too so there's always tries to be like sort of two things happening. Yeah. Um, I'll just say the, the opening chapter involves the party riding dog sleds across a frozen tundra trying to wrangle these like deadly animated trees that are infected with some aberrant infestation that are marching towards civilization. And they have to like, you you know, wrangle them in and hone them in before they can get there. Yeah. So it's very, it's like fast paced and on the move. It's it's moving. It's too. another it's like a Tuesday. Moving encounter. You know, it's just it's another yeah. Tuesday. Stab in the shade damn lands. Yeah, trees. man. That's what, uh, <laughs> yeah, <it's> assholes. <laughs> so, um, we were really proud of it. So we're like, well, let's you know get this thing published. So we uh, partnered with the studio and to do the art and the printing. And then we took it to Kickstarter and it it did pretty dang good on Kickstarter. We were, we were impressed. It did a lot better than I was expecting it to. And, um, and then we've had uh, some other work then come our way off the back of that. Right. uh, And uh, I'm current, Mm -hmm. both he and I are currently writing on um, this like sirens battle of the bards book. Um, And, We've had a couple other, you know, things in the oh, works, cool. offers, and uh, yeah, it's been really people. Mm-hmm. I think because a lot of it was we we really, really, really put a lot of effort into really make this a unique experience, mm-hmm. all the way through, top down, not just another like here's your adventure. It's just um, we tried to make it very personal, like said, dynamic, original. There's a lot of different. There's um, at least four endings depending on the choices the player make the players make that are very different too yeah um so yeah is we just were really trying to how can we do think how how can Mm -hmm. we do something different that that all sounds incredibly impressive and so i'm curious like you mentioned that you're a big fan of tabletop rpgs like when did you get into the hobby? Like, is that something you played like when you were younger or is it something you kind of jumped into Mm -hmm. later, like in college? Like when did you, when did the tabletop bug bite you? Yeah. You know, it's funny is I think I'm definitely um, the minority in the space because I feel like most people are lifers, right? A lot of, you know, come into Mm -hmm. it as kids and play and, it's something I was aware of and I found interesting. Yeah. I just never really had an opportunity to play when I was mm-hmm. younger. I, I, I am a big, sweet nerd in a jock spot. I, I played football growing up. I was like, you yeah. know, put into that light, that path of life, right? Uh, sports and, mm-hmm. you know, like football through grade school and high school and even college I played. Yeah. And it's like, and that world doesn't, not to you know cliche people or put people in a box but you know there's not a ton of over i mean it's getting it i feel like it's the lines are way blurred these days yeah but i uh, i'm I'm 36 so you know around the you know 33 90s early aughts yeah Yeah. i'm it it there was still a little bit of uh nerd taboo oh yeah 
And it's something I just, and not that I would have cared necessarily mm-hmm. if I had other people that were interested in it. I just didn't really have friends as a kid that were, would be, would be interested in something like that. Right. So, um, what's funny is I'm, I might have actually listened to one of the, er, some of the earliest real play podcasts before I actually played for the first time. I mean, I mean, at mm-hmm. this point people think like, Oh, that's so recent. It's like, no, I mean, there are real play shows that have been going for 10 years plus. Yeah. Um, and so I think I'm coming up on 10 years of my first time finally playing. So, but, uh, definitely was, you know, later in life compared yeah. to a lot of people, you know, like late twenties, mid to late twenties where I, uh, actually started playing and it's like, I, I'm going to seek this out. I'm mm-hmm. going to find my people. And, and it was, man, the first time it was instant. It oh, was, yeah. yes, yes. This is what I have been waiting for. This is what I've been looking for. This is my, this is my jam. Mm-hmm. Um, it's amazing how instantaneous it was yeah um i grew up i was always i've always been like the video game player and i played a lot more magic the gathering and like card games growing up like through middle school and high school and everything and i didn't get i didn't like you i knew of dungeons and dragons i knew of all that but i didn't have that group or my group was just pretty much strictly uh card games and stuff so I didn't get my start until probably 1920 when my group was like, hey, let's try this. So it was it's very much the same thing. It's like we played it it like this is so fun. And now 13, 15 years later, it's okay. I'm running a game one day of the week. I'm playing in another game a week. I'm playing like two games a week. I'm absolutely loving it. But Mm -hmm. it's so weird. To have lived through the tail end where the those lines between like, like you said, like the jock group and like the nerdy game group has so much blurred now, whether it's Mm -hmm. thanks to things like Twitch, where it's, it's the cool thing to stream or play games or with um, streams and companies like your geek and sundry, like critical role dimension, 20, the guild, uh, everything like Felicia day and all them of doing Mm -hmm. that's brought into mainstream and, that's like, OK, yeah, it's cool. And you have uh, people like Travis Willingham and Joe uh, DiMaglio, these like you, the jock looking individuals who's like, nah, <laughs> dude, this is the coolest shit ever. Why not? Yeah. Um, so it's been very interesting and kind of cool to see those lines are no longer anywhere near, at least from what I see and feel um, are nowhere near as clear cut which is good to see. But mm-hmm. when you when when the bug hit you to like and you started playing tabletop RPGs, were you more interested in the lore in uh, the the dungeon mastering aspect and creating worlds or were you like I want to be the player, never forever DM or just like the mix like you can flip flop however you want. Uh, when I started I was terrified of being a DM and just mm-hmm. wanted to be a player. And honestly, I'd say at the beginning, I think that's pretty normal, right? It's It seems like a lot to take on. But um, also not as a player, I was more focused, not necessarily in the lore, but um, the I, I wanted to play and go on adventures. But also I was always the I'm sh- I'm shamelessly always looking for the joke, the pun <laughs> yeah. to make in the moment, you know, um, Puns make any tabletop session better. Just hands down. Puns make games better. Yes. 
Agreed. I'm one of those people that when uh, on like Twitter, if someone does a pun, you know, you get people that yeah. respond like boo or the get out gifts. I, I, I respond with one of the many, uh, I'm so proud of, I'm proud of you gifts uh-huh. <laughs> or the clapping ones. Oh yeah. Uh, like, no, no, that should be celebrated. Good, good punnery is an art. Oh, hundred percent. hundred percent. Yeah. But it's funny lately i mean let's i have really uh i mean i I like both they're a lot of fun but lately Mm -hmm. i've just really been enjoying dming i don't know i like um i've got a lot of really good feedback from players and audience on the on my personal style Mm -hmm. the way i dm um and i've i've really been enjoying that lately a lot yeah because you're the storyteller too, and that's at my oh, bre- yeah. you know at my core. Mm-hmm. That's how I got it. Is I like to tell stories. I like to craft narratives, and create fun moments, create emotional moments. Uh, that's what writing, you know, a, a book or a screenplay or something is. Mm-hmm. Is you're creating those moments and crafting a narrative, and that's what DMing is in a very unique way, a way unlike mm-hmm. anything else. That's very different because you're not deciding everything. You are creating scenarios and pivoting it, it, yeah. it is a you're creating I think it's made me a better writer yeah mm-hmm. i think it's made me a much better writer on my more direct you know traditional work because it's making me think of things from a lot of different angles mm-hmm. right because sometimes what's a common criticism sometimes of a show or a movie or a book or something it's oh, would the character really do that in that scenario that doesn't make sense and i think you can easy to be easy to have blinders if all you're doing is writing narratives that you have 100 percent control over it can yeah. be easy to be like this is what i want to happen so this is when it's going to happen but spending so much time in this world dming for you know i've said this on multiple yeah. podcasts there is nothing more there is no force more more chaotic in the universe than a dnd player um <laughs> it's as far as their choices Preach. So you have to account for each you have to account for the unaccountable in that regard so when you're crafting out a, a campaign so in that regard when i'm writing a book or i'm writing a screenplay mm-hmm. um i have to it, it's really giving me different perspectives on you know how how a character might react in different scenarios or settings that i'm creating yeah and it's always i like because i'm a person that I, I excel at and I thrive in where I can be both a player and a DM because like in the game I run, I've crafted the world. I've made the world map. I, I the villages, all these things. And I love that aspect. I love the lore building and coming up with like the general idea of the big story arcs that I might want to that I want to put my players through with maybe some big story beats. But they're just they're general because it's like you have no idea what your players are going to do. They could go completely off the rails and you have to rewrite it, but there's something so rewarding about being both not necessarily in control, but you are also, you're just kind of along for the ride as you are crafting these worlds. And it's one of the most enjoyable aspects. I think about being a a dungeon master. Um, and then I love kind of causing the chaos as a player and trying to come up with like, what would my character do? Okay. Why would we necessarily go on this path? What if we investigated this thing? Um, mm-hmm. I love that dichotomy of being both the, the DM and the player. But so it's no, go ahead. Oh, 
Oh, I was going to say, yeah, it, it, it's I was going to say another example on how it's influenced mm-hmm. my writing is actually and we haven't talked about it. And I, I don't even know if you know this. I um, have recently earned my first IMDb credits. Uh, I so oh, last year congrats. I wrote this short film. Thank you. Yeah. And uh, I wrote this short film that has been uh, it was at the Oregon State Film Festival. It was at Gen Con. It yeah, was you at won a bunch, a bunch of award or uh, won some awards. Best yeah, gaming it, film. It, it won something. At, yeah, yeah, that was it. It won. I forgot what it what it won at at Oregon at, at Oregon State, but at, at Origins Game Fair in Columbus, Ohio. Yeah, it won their film festival best gaming film. Um, and the producer and director of that and I are actually workshopping a feature film now too. Not not based yeah. on that, but basically that was fun because that came about. Um, because of the pandemic, because so I co-host a podcast with three uh, you know, professionals mm-hmm. in the film industry called Let's Rewatch. And that's, you know, the the log line. We watch movies that we loved in our youth and find out if they're still any good. Uh, <laughs> what makes it di- what makes it different from other movie podcasts is it's not just we watch the movie and we talk about it. It's actually there's two halves to the show. It's we talk about a movie for a few for a little while for 20, 30 minutes, mm-hmm. not having watched it yet. So basically just going off of IMDb and like, what do we predict? Have you seen it? It's been a while since you've seen it. Have you not seen it? Do you think it's going to suck? Do you think it's going to be crazy? <laughs> do you think it's going to be problematic? And then we pause the recording and we all go watch it right then and there. And then we immediately come back on after watching the film and talk about it minutes after having seen it. Um, and what's fun is when you <laughs> the episodes where the vibe really shifts, uh-huh. where we're super uh, optimistic in the first half, and we all come back like, oh, that was a piece of shit. Or we're like, this movie's not going to be good. And we're like, I was, I enjoyed that. That mm-hmm. was delightful. So um, one of the co-hosts, Ash, Ash Blodgett, is a professional film director. And her, we were, had been talking and she had been like, oh, man, the, the project I was going to work on this summer, as in last summer 2020, mm-hmm. is canceled. It's, you know. And, and it got me thinking, I was like, as like, I love exercises. I love, I like write again. I think why I really have enjoyed RPG writing professionally mm-hmm. is the challenge of it. The, the parameters where it's, you're not just going to do whatever you want. There, there's not just the rules, but there's accounting for player choice and agency and yeah. all of these different hoops you have to jump through and it's still gotta be great and do all those <laughs> things and, and make it great yeah. still. Uh, I like that. I mm-hmm. thrive, I think, in in a, in like more of a like a challenging situation. I think I'd, I'd do my best work then. So I, I kind of was like, could you do a short film that was shot completely remote, like people on a call like you and I are on right now, mm-hmm. but have a narrative and have it be compelling? And the film, and I knocked out a script and I sent it to Ronald Lark, and she's like, I love this. We're gonna make this. Um, it's called Joining Call, and it's about eight friends trying to get a game of D and D started during the pandemic over like a video call, mm-hmm. and life just keeps getting in the way. As yeah. you got, you know, just kids, connection issues, mm-hmm. bickering couples, um, alcohol, people drinking yeah. too much. Because if you remember that, remember that part of the pandemic, we were all just getting drunk every day oh, yeah. for like three months. When we thought straight. it was going to be over, um, it's like, oh, we just have like a month off. Hell yeah, okay, yeah. Yeah. Little did we know we were so um, so naive and so innocent. Mm-hmm. So just and, and you know it's like coping with yeah. with all of it and the the existential crisis of it all. Um, and Ash is such a talented filmmaker. She made it look gorgeous um, with the 
production value and putting mm-hmm. it all together. And I couldn't believe how try to imagine directing eight different people via zoom and they all are controlling their own camera <laughs> and being like, and just like, and she was just so calm and cool. And uh, mm-hmm. yeah, she was, she's very talented. She's going to be doing, you're, you're going to know her name someday. Listener. She's, she does. She, the stuff she's putting out is great. She even has a, mm-hmm. you should check out, check out uh, her series, film it yourself. If you want to be a filmmaker, she has her own series that, you know, she does these really fun little videos about different aspects of filmmaking. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, so that was joining call. That was, and then we're, you know, so that, that was a lot of fun, but it, it's just another aspect of how this art, this TTRPG world is, is positively affecting my life. Oh yeah. Um, and, and truth be told, can you even say you play D&D unless you have most of your time is spent trying to figure out when you can play D&D with your friends? Like, I think that's part of the experience is that. <laughs> oh, yeah. Let's do it this that's day. What... Oh, everyone. Everyone except the one person. Oh, that's actually not good for me. How about that next week? And listen, Scott, you just got to make it a job. Like most of the D&D I yeah. play now is in some kind of pseudo professional capacity like on a stream mm-hmm. or like a charity event or something because then people have to show up at the time <laughs> that's the trick of course of course it's professionalism you're not being professional yeah. you have to be there it's not because we need a healer it's because you have to be professional and this is very important um mm-hmm. but no joining call um i watched a little bit before this uh our call and it was hilarious and for listeners it's just over 12 minutes it's not super long so just give it a watch it it is a lot of fun just search join and call a dungeons and dragon short film on youtube definitely definitely great um but touching on diving into more of the what goes into crafting a world in crafting these um these books and these modules Give us a look like what is, I guess, the most time intensive aspect or what what's your design process, I guess, when you're looking at, OK, I'm going to do this. This is going to be like my my one project or my one or two projects. It's like I'm going to do this. I have a cool idea. Where do you start? That's uh, a good question. And I wish I had just one answer for you, yeah. but really it depends on. Mm-hmm. on the project on uh what's the assignment because there are times it's we're starting with a class right with so like red opera is it was a combination it was we have some source material we have this album so you have to listen to that and see you know what there's a it's not you know it's uh, it's mm-hmm. operatic so it's not super detailed but it's like it's and we took some some creative liberties because it's about like two cities at odds at war and there's two you know powerful people and there's you know this a uh, third one caught between them so how do we do that and then i instead of being super literal of like two cities i created a setting where it was it's one metropolitan area but it's kind of split in two by a river mm-hmm. and it's kind of two cities made one and they're kind of they're one city but they're very two very different vibes on either mm-hmm. side of the river and they're kind of at odds with each other and so it's like kind of take so so that was a huge jumping off point was setting but then also there was the warlock feature right too so it's this is a haven for warlocks who are outcasts in the rest of the world um i have another project that i'm not quite ready to announce that is very setting based Mm -hmm. that i'm working on because um 
I wanted it to be something that anyone could effortlessly drop into their could could buy the content and effortlessly drop it into their current mm-hmm. homebrew worlds, no matter what the f they got going on. Which sounds crazy, I know, but I I, I think I've got so that's a very setting focus. Everything is starting from the setting, the the mm-hmm. and. Uh, like geographically yeah. and what is there and what's there and it built out from that. Okay. What would make sense? What type of cultures, what type of civilizations would be in this type mm-hmm. of setting, this physical location that's like this. So everything that one start, this one's starting from a, from a physical, lo- you know, this is what the physical location is like branch out from there, you know, thought train. Um, and then so really, yeah, it depends on what you're trying to do and trying to accomplish. And I, I'm really big on start with, you know, do a seed, mm-hmm. start with a seed and then just next logical thought progression. Okay. Pick, pick one starting conceit X. Mm-hmm. Okay. If X is true, then what, what's that, you know, what, yeah. what comes then what, what's the next extrapolation from that? Well, then I guess that would mean if X is true, then this is also true. Okay, great. So what else does that mean? And you keep mm-hmm. going and you branch out. So it doesn't matter. You could be, it could be a physical location. It could be a concept. It could be, um, cause think about it. If you're like, I have a really cool idea for a very unique class or mm-hmm. new playable race. It's like, okay, great. You have all this idea. The setting will then come to you because mm-hmm. it's what makes sense. What, what kind of setting would foster yeah. that? thing that kind of class or that kind of race or you know um so it's really just a fun little thought exercise to kind of go from like yeah a to b to c to, and just keep kind of walk down i i really enjoy the you know the whiteboard yeah. part the oh whiteboarding. yeah do you find yourself um when you're having inspiration or things do you find yourself more often like when you're just letting your mind wander and kind of imagine things do you start with like, I have a really cool idea for like a location. Okay. That location, what stops from this? Or do you have, does your mind more go to, this is an experience I haven't, or an encounter or um, a conflict. And then you branch off from that. Like what's, what's, I guess more often than not the seed that you then spread things off of. from? Yeah. I would say the most common for me mm-hmm. is I'll call it a moment mm-hmm. is, oh, that would be a cool moment yeah. to experience. Okay. How do we get there? Mm-hmm. This is the emotion, the emotions I'd want to be felt in this moment. Um, this is what I'd want people to be experiencing and feeling. And very, it's like, sounds cool. Great. Mm-hmm. how the fuck do we get there now okay let's work sometimes <laughs> let's work backwards it's okay well yeah. um and say a lot of it has to do with that it could be something like an action encounter set piece mm-hmm. or or a, a narrative you know twist or something um and then it's like okay well it makes sense for that what well, makes sense for the surrounding element you know for mm-hmm. for to bring us to that point do you have a a memory that sticks out to you, whether as a player or as a, a game you ran where a moment you kind of thought of or a plan as a player that you kind of put into motion that just really struck a chord with you or that you 
when you think of the best outcome or the best results of something you've set up or that seed um, that just comes to mm. mind that you, you hold dear. Yeah. Uh, the I've, I've talked about this before, but I'm going to talk about it again because there's, I think, a really good, fun day of D&D. Um, and it's also a great example of it's great when you have an idea and then a, you set it up and not only does it get there, but the players take it even better or mm-hmm. beyond what you wanted. So um, I, I some good friend. I had a good friend who uh, had um, lost a close family member unexpectedly, mm-hmm. kind of tragically, and was dealing with that. And it was, and then also, which just so happened to be. Um, maybe a month or so after this loss was their birthday. Maybe. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm trying to remember the exact time. It was relatively close, maybe a month, maybe six weeks or so, you know, it, yeah. it was within definitely you're still grieving. And, um, and it's, of course it's pandemic, right? This is recent. This is during pandemic. So everyone's, and we don't live in the same state anyway, but you know, it's just, yeah, we're all still detached from each other. And, um, I had this idea. I was like, all right, we're going to do a virtual birthday party for you, for this person. And it's going to be a and d session. It's like a three to four hour. We're going to do like a four mm-hmm. hour session, have a little virtual party. It's like 12 people, big, big group, big party. Mm-hmm. Um, so that in itself can be fun. Yeah. But what it ended up doing was just create a scenario. We just created all uh, that basically like, here's the scenario. Just just create like super prototypical. You're a famous adventurer. You're a famous, successful adventurer. You know, super mm-hmm. cliche. It's fine. And then in the game, it was her. It was their character's birthday. And it was all their adventuring team throwing a birthday party at their big adventure castle they mm-hmm. burned from their earning their and then like their arch rival crashes the party and then there's a whole series of like puzzles and challenges and enchants their castle and then of course some fights but one of the culminations <laughs> is fighting uh, a giant a dragon made out of chocolate cake or devil's food dragon as I called it Excellent. and uh, <laughs> just like very cathartic moment where everyone is like crying laughing of the the, the thing is mm-hmm. Whatever they tried to do, the dragon, it didn't hurt it. Nothing hurt it. No spell, mm-hmm. no weapon. And then someone's like, I take a bite out of it. And I was like, it hurts it. You can tell that hurt it. Like it you know, like loses, like it does X damage to it. And like, we have to eat it to death. <laughs> and then of course, someone uh, the culinary dragon type. It. Yeah. And then someone gets very blue with uh the phrase. Um, I'm going <laughs> to, I'm going to come at it from behind and eat out the dragon to death. And <laughs> then everyone just dies yeah. and it's like a crying, laughing moment. Mm-hmm. And it's just very cathartic. It was just like, um, and it's just like a silly, uh, it's one of those things where I'm definitely an advocate for some blue humor because I think mm-hmm. it can be wonderful and beautiful and therapeutic and yeah, it's fucking funny. <laughs> like, yeah. it's fun, like, like foul mouth humor is funny. There's a reason it exists. That's great. Um, but uh, I just, that always stuck with me is like, a, just a really fun moment that I think everyone really needed to, not just the, the main person mm-hmm. we were trying to, you know, help like cheer up and everything. But so yeah. that would always stick out to me. Yeah. It's in, 
uh, I've had other guests that have run games and and done things with tabletop, and it's uh, one of the previous guests. She does. Um, she's kind of one of the DMs at her school's Dungeons and Dragons club, and it's in memories like this. It's always so impressive to me and meaningful to see like how games and tabletop, these stories can be therapeutic, that they can help people work through things or just give people an escape so they can laugh and be away from the crap that is going on, like the pandemic and just being able to play with friends and look forward to something I think can be so important. And it's such a magical experience to be able to, to go on these adventures and laugh and eat out chocolate dragons from the, from behind, you know, it's uh, it never ceases to amaze me that the power uh, that these games can have. Mm -hmm. And a good story. Um, Yeah. But yeah. So like, what is like your dream campaign or module? Like, do you want to eventually have like Wizards of the Coast? Hey, call you up. Hey, we like your stuff. Make us a module. Or do you want to stand more on the indie side? Or do you want like what's your oh I, if dream you're listening, project? I, I will I will sell out right now. If you're listening, if you have bags of money that you want to <laughs> give me, yes call me um i i mean you had i i just want to make this is so like i just want to make things whether it's D, whether it's sci-fi novels whether it's fantasy novels whether it's movies or shows i want to for the rest of my days create stories create content create experience that that make people smile it sounds, I know, I want to punch me too, guys. Um, but this is the truth. I really do. And yes, if I could get to a point where I'm I'm making piles of money, just, you know, just piles and piles of money yeah. doing it. Yeah. Yeah. Scrooge McDuck money, that. Ben. <laughs> yeah. I would love it. If you're, if you got piles of money that you need to get rid of, uh, reach out to me. But um, <laughs> like, I, yeah. So yes, if, Watsy or Critical Role was like, "Hey, do you want to do this thing?" And I'm like, "Yeah, I would." Ju-. You know, I, mm-hmm. I, I'm not too cool. I'm a, I'm a dork. I'm not too cool. I'm not like, uh, um, uh, it, it's it's, I'd absolutely do that. But also, I'm happy too in my world, and I have a ton of really awesome, cool people that I know that are doing really cool, unique things in this space that, in my opinion, too few people are aware of. And, um, so. Yeah, I just want to keep doing what I'm doing because I'm enjoying it and it seems to be working and I'm seem to be getting a lot of, you know, positive response to it. Do you have that kind of story that's just kind of been simmering in your brain for a while that you would love to turn into like the epic campaign module or an epic story? Or do you have that like that dream idea or like that? that seed, I guess that you've always kind of wanted to turn into something. Um, I guess, I mean, from an RPG standpoint, I have lots, I don't know if I have a dream campaign. I've got this, this project I'd alluded to that I think could really Mm -hmm. be something pretty cool and different and unique. Um, so that'll be fun, but that's more about the way it's structured and the setting as opposed to like the narrative. Um, it's not RPG. I've Mm -hmm. got, uh, a particular 
book that I've started that I've kind of had to shelve because I've had too many other, you know, when you get into this and you start having some traction in your career, you're going to get, you have things like, I really want to write this book and this story, Mm -hmm. but also this is a paying writing gig, right? Where it's like, here's a contract and you're, you know, and this is like not, it's one of those things where it's like, where you got to sometimes stop maybe say no to those so you can finish the thing you really want to finish mm-hmm. even though it's you're giving up a little money type thing so i do have a story uh it's a book it's it's kind of outside what i normally do because a lot of what i do i like to be light and fun mm-hmm. and funny but i do have an idea for a much a more serious novel that takes a very different look it, it is very much on purpose kind of a prototypical like fantasy setting but i think i'm coming at it from a very a different angle that really hasn't been mm-hmm. done or like looking at uh, an aspect of this society that hasn't really been examined mm-hmm. and with like a very, like an emotional compelling, it, it, that's kind of like a pet project. That's a little bit different than what I've done before. And I, I would really like to finish that in the next year or so if possible. Well, if life will let me. Yeah. Life always getting in the way, doing crazy stuff <laughs> in your creative process. When you're, working on uh whether it's a tabletop or a sci-fi book or a a project what do you find to be the most difficult aspect of the creative process for you and why is it coming up with cool sounding city names (laughs) i'll be honest with you actually i seem to working with collaborating with other Mm -hmm. people uh, and I'm I'm just repeating what has been told to me. I seem to have a knack for creating made up proper names of people and places and things mm-hmm. in sci-fi or fantasy settings. Um, that have been told, like I don't know why, but I it's something I probably spend too. It's probably because I spend too much time on it mm-hmm. each one, and but that's really important to me and. It, it takes me out of a, something I'm reading or or, or consuming mm-hmm. when the name just doesn't fit mm-hmm. when the made up look it, or it feels very or feels lazy, right? Um, Zardox or something, and so you know, mm-hmm. just you know, if you're doing sci-fi and you're using lots of Z's and X's and stuff, right? And it's like, um, I probably put way too much time into that, into the naming of things, every mm-hmm. made up word or, you know, and location, but it's really important to me that it, it feels natural. It fits. Mm-hmm. So you get in it flow. And, um, because the thing is that people will remember it better. Cause otherwise you're just looking and it's just like a bunch of gibberish on the page and you'll, mm-hmm. you'll read that word later and you, in you, in the, cause if you don't do it well, Take like a novel, for instance, yeah. if you don't do it well and you're making up all these words, they're not going to stick in people's brains. So when they read something later, you might think you have a really clever callback or reference mm-hmm. later in the book. But if people don't remember what that made up word was, they're not. it's going to go right over their head. So it's really important to me that it fits. Mm-hmm. So uh, that aspect, actually, I... I I feel like I like a good at, but I do spend way too much time on it and obsess over it. Um, as far as honestly, I am so far blessed with, I haven't really hit walls yet as far mm-hmm. as the writer's block. Honestly, for me, the biggest challenge is 
<laughs> having three kids under the age of six. <laughs> I yeah, that sounds like a pretty big, uh, pretty big uh, headache. Well, not headache, but uh, block. The, I, mean, I, I could see lot. that being yeah. An issue. I'd say that if there's anything, yeah, <laughs> hindering my productivity more than anything, it's that. At least when they get a little, when they get older, you'll have pretty much yeah. a D and D party whenever you want, just like living under your house. Yeah. Oh, I've already talked to them about it. They're my old, or at least my older da- my daughters mm-hmm. who are older and um, who are almost six and almost four. And then, uh, oh yeah, don't worry, I'm I'm gonna indoctrinate them. And uh, I even did a little bit of like super. It's not D, like the most pared down RPG early in the pandemic with them when everyone mm-hmm. was super locked down at home and what do we, what do we do with them all day? And um, where I would draw like these little maps on pieces mm-hmm. of paper and string them together like a path and they'd have little princess action figures and figurines mm-hmm. and we would kind of have all these different problems. But instead of like fighting, I would be like, all right, how do we talk? How do we solve this problem? How do mm-hmm. we, you know, um, the 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 giant turtle can ferry you across but he doesn't want to or he's he's tired or what mm-hmm. how, how can you help him how can you help him and then he'll help you or so kind of you know or how can we talk through this issue and, mm-hmm. and so there's no com obviously i'm not gonna have my five and you encounter like, a devil's food dragon <laughs> how are you going to deal with it yeah honestly or, i yeah. feel like your daughters would think of Let's try eating it faster than the actual adventuring party would have. Uh, True, but uh, I'm absolutely gonna get them, get the get the mm-hmm. hooks in them on that. Because yeah, to yeah. your point, I have a built-in party yeah. at home that I yeah. That, uh, oh, it's <laughs> like also, no and also we we're talking about earlier the scheduling. Yeah. I can make them. I can be like, no, get down here at the table. Like you're sitting at this table. Yeah. And you're like you're not leaving no this table until you finish this encounter. <laughs> I don't care what your excuses are. You can go hang out with your friends. And even when they're teenagers. This. Yeah. It's like, listen, if you do not, if we do not finish. You have to find arc- the magic item before you go to bed. Yeah. Yes. If you do not find <laughs> the sword, I will empty your college fund. <laughs> but dad, I don't use swords. I don't care. Yeah. It's a plus three magical weapon. <laughs> You can multi-class. I want to go to soccer practice. Shut up, dork. We're playing. We're killing the dragon. You can run in Dungeons and Dragons. It's called the dash action. Oh, <laughs> uh, I can't wait till I have kids. One thing I've wanted to like put together is like a really like a young young kids version of Dungeons and Dragons. I know there's like grade school, but instead of like hit, it's like evens you hit, odds you miss, or something. Very like. You mean like like because super Rick young. and I might have something in the work for for younger mm-hmm. players. I don't know about that young, but you're talking like elementary school, yeah, like like nine year olds to eight year olds or something. Like yeah, instead of just dealing with like d twenties and stuff, it's like yeah, evens you hit, odds you miss, and then you roll a d six. Okay, you do three damage. Congrats, you win. Like I mean, simple. You can make it even. You can even do, be yeah. like red and blue, right? Yeah. You have like a, six, oh, exactly. a a D6 with like three blue faces and three red faces or something like that. It's yeah, toddlers yeah. the toddlers first D and D campaign. That that's the ticket. <laughs> uh, 
Try like what's a D and D word? Shit, what's a D? Too slow. What's a D and D word that starts with T? Uh, Tiamat. Toddlers. Toddlers and Tiamat. Toddlers and Tiamat. <laughs> yes. <laughs> teething and Tiamat. Poor Tiamat. Oh. When they were teething, man, oof, that must have been painful. Yeah. All those teeth and all those heads. Oh. Mm-hmm. Must have really. No wonder he's yeah. so cranky. No wonder she is so cranky. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, it's a uh, a fun adventure, and I uh, I look forward to hearing tales of uh, your daughter's uh, quests as they get older. Uh, that'll be very exciting. Um, when I had a question submitted, uh, and I was wondering if you wanted to uh, answer. It's from user yeah. Chaotic Blade 5 from Reddit. They say, I took a look at this adventure model, uh, speaking of uh, the um, Red Opera, because I hadn't heard about it before. It has a similar tagline to Morkborg, a heavy metal-inspired grim dark fantasy game, which was kickstarted a few months ago earlier, but didn't earn nearly as much as your Kickstarter. How much influence did 5th edition have on your Kickstarter success, do you think? Or was there something else that was key to its success? You mean... The fact that it was the with the fifth geared for the fifth edition. Yeah, I think that's what it's. I think, I I think the success we had was a combination of a lot of factors. I honestly think that was part of it. I mean, honestly, mm-hmm. it's one of those things where, um, it it's a double edged sword. It's mm-hmm. you could look at this fact and think that's sad, or you could look at this fact and think, well, it's just going to help lift other things. But mm-hmm. the fact is. Fifth D and D is like the default. It's the is, it's like is, uh, is the, the Kleenex, Kleenex to yep. the to the tissues. It's the band aid to it's the it's the chapstick. It's mm-hmm. a brand, but it, it it's if you I mean it's it's go for it. if you want to do a different system for your indie project. Go all more power to you. I definitely think you will open up a much bigger uh, customer pool if it is fifth mm-hmm. edition. Um, there's that. I think there is, there's some unique stuff to it. And when we say, you know, heavy metal inspired, this book has a soundtrack. Every, every chapter has a QR code you can scan and it's got a soundtrack. So like it is truly not just using that word as like a buzzword. It is literally infused with heavy, with, with the music. Mm -hmm. Um, I think there's that. I think the art turned out gorgeous. Really, you know, uh, oh, it's shout beautiful. out to David Grangio and Carlos, the artist. They did a phenomenal job. Um, I think just the, and then you know that we did a lot of promo, like play tests and things on different channels, different streaming channels, just trying to showcase the originality and the unique encounters. And so you know, I have a whole like one shot side mm-hmm. quest i did and i've i've done on streams a couple times that kind of promos one of our unique subclasses that evermore it's like a warlock with time-based powers and um so it just and i think it was just a maybe just a, a group effort right there's lots mm-hmm. of different people working their butts off um i know rick and i were literally had in the 30 whatever 30 whatever the days of september i think i had a podcast or a stream um like uh, how many, 30, 30 days i think of those 30 days i had a podcast or a stream like 21 of the days or something like oh, that wow. um so just 
you know, literally voices yeah. horse by the end. Did a ton of cross promo with other independent developers. I spent a ton of time leading up to the Kickstarter writing blog posts for mm-hmm. other RPG Kickstarters. Like, this looks cool. Y'all should check it out. And basically, it was kind of like a. You hey, scratch my back, I'll li- scratch yours. Yeah, you throw it. Like, I'm going to write this blog post, talk about how cool it is. Here's a link. You know, you yeah. throw us a back when we're live, throw us a backer update to your backers, you know, and uh, got, you know, that was that was a big influx of supporters as well. Um, that's another thing I would highly advise if you're going to try and go to Kickstarter with something, try and connect with other people doing similar content. It might seem like you're competing. You're not because the people that support stuff on kicks. There are very few people out mm-hmm. in this, out there that go to Kickstarter one time, back a project and then disappear. It is Kickstarter is a is big, but a small community of there are people who are like that are that are very frequent backers of things. Mm-hmm. They support stuff. So one of the most valuable pieces of promotion is if you can get another creator to send out a backer update to people that have backed their project saying this project looks cool. Here's a link to it. The conversion on that is is wild as far as people that will click the link mm-hmm. and then back your project too uh, over like any other ads. Mm-hmm. Or, it's probably it's it's the highest like number of eyeballs on it converted to sales of it, not to get too businessy, but um, just connect and be like, just be a good person. Offer something before you ask for something, you know, always, if you're, if you're the person reaching out, you should have something to give first because you're reaching out to them. They're not Mm -hmm. reaching out to you. Um, So I would say uh, the success we had was due to many factors, not one thing. Uh, was being a fifth edition probably a contributor? Yes, just because there's just such a ridiculous. It's you know they're number one by yeah. flipping miles, miles, right? It's not oh, even yeah. close. Like it's just so far. So did that help? I'm sure. Yeah, it's there, it's yeah. everywhere nowadays. It, it yeah. seems like. Um, but great advice. Really a good insight into kind of the Kickstarter process. Um, yeah. And now, kind of taking a a step back from kickstarter before you even start thinking about going to kickstarter for something um what advice would you give to people that have that seed or want to flesh out an idea or are thinking about putting an idea they had or a campaign into a published work like what advice would you give those folks who want to put something out there and get published yeah that wants to maybe flesh out in uh, either try and like uh RPG drive through or something like to publish or put together their ideas into a uh, finished or a com- campaign module. I mean, my first place we do it. If you want to do it, do it. But if you're going to do it, go all in. Like, get, I mean, go all in as far mm-hmm. as like, don't have asset. You're asking for people's hard, hard money. Times are tough out there. You know, we mm-hmm. know what's going on. The world is in the world's on fire, literally and figuratively. Mm-hmm. Um, don't ask people to fork over 60 bucks, 50 bucks for something you have asked. Um, the content should be original. The artwork, the layout should look professional, look clean. Um, you know, it, you should cultivate an audience. Try to cultivate an audience. Like, ask yourself, like, where are yeah. your where are your customers going to come from? Like, do you have an audience? Do you, you know? <clears throat> and if you don't, find someone who does and maybe partner with them. Mm-hmm. Cool. Good. There's advice. a lot of different. Yeah, not everyone is like a writer, and this, and that's fine. Mm-hmm. There are people that can. There are people that are really good at 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 
I know people that are excellent writers that aren't as good on stream. People are great on stream that have no desire to write that are mm-hmm. really fun to watch play these modules, but have no desire to create them. And you know, everyone's good at something. Yeah. No Build need to be, yeah, no need to be, don't try and be good at everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, but great advice, great advice. But we're getting to one of my favorite parts of these tabletop episodes, the racy or classy part. So, Pat, are we going to get racy tonight or are we getting classy? I told you in the email, Scott, surprise me. You just, or, this or is your episode. Okay, fine. No, Pat, flip a coin. Okay. Uh, uh, this, you said make it up on the fly. Right. I did zero that's fine. prep work. Okay. We're truly going to make this up on the fly. Yeah, that's work. Okay. Uh, let's... let's do this. Let's get weird. I like it. So, uh, I don't have. Um, okay. Magic card. We're just going to. Ha! Wait, is head. Okay. Face up. That will be classy. Uh, the backside up. That will be racy. So we got backside up. We're going racy. Okay. So, Pat. See, the seed has been planted. We are making, we are going to create a brand new race for, mm-hmm. uh, I guess, do you want to go with Dungeons and Dragons rules? Because we are, uh, that's the rule set I'm familiar with. Yeah, let's do that. That's okay, easy. Cool. Um, okay. What are you feeling? Uh, do you want to can give be me... anything? It could be a new sub race for an existing well, one. Here's what, here's what sure. I don't want to do is I, I don't want to just like take like animal and be like humanoid yeah. version of animal. Right. Uh, they're fun. Like a humanoid hippo would right. be fun as fuck to play. That being said, I feel like that's that just already like done. exists. They're, they do already have that. Did I miss that? Yeah. Hippo? That, Are you uh, sure? Yeah. The GIF or, G, or I'm pronouncing it GIF. It's been in since like old modules. They are a space faring mercenary group of hippo people g-i-f-f and they were just released they are coming in an upcoming book that they were just put into the unearthed arcana oh yeah okay they're they're on ddb on there they are so, yeah but no like previous never... ones we've done uh we did um oh look at him with his monocle and i his, know like, they're perfect movie. that's so cool how did I miss that? Oh man, there's just so much excellent. good stuff. I want to play okay. one uh, with like a hat of disguise that just looks like a Dutchman all the time. Um, but that's he, amazing. He's actually a space mercenary hippo. Um, How did I miss that? I'm yeah. embarrassed. Um, but yeah, we've but, had okay, no, so- gelatinous. Uh, we've had black oozes. We've made races like character stats for them before. We've done the Zorbo, the demon koalas. We did those. Um, so yeah, we can do Let's whatever. Do- so when I think of a new race, though, sure. again, logical progression, I feel like I want a, a setting prompt because I'm like evolution. How did they come to be like right. what makes sense? Let's OK, we're going to Sorry, play off. No, I'm making this harder. Sorry. No, <laughs> I think we, what we should do, it comes from the same area or environment as your devil food cake dragon. Ooh. What would be? Okay. How about the natural predator of the devil food dragon or a culinary dragon? Okay. I'm thinking. What would eat? 
Okay. Thinking bovine, but that's minotaurs because they would eat. Mm-hmm. Um, so we don't need that. So that's out. That's right out. Right. That's right out. What would eat? What would eat a? Oh man. Okay. Maybe something milk related because milk goes really well with cake. <sighs> like a milk elemental. A milk elemental or. Okay, you got. I got. I'm, I'm working on it. I'm okay. working on it. It's marinating. Yep. Um. Oh, let's see. I'm actually. Hmm. Dang it! Cupcake kingdom. Cupcake kingdom. Uh. Food base. I don't want to just do like, oh, it's yeah. it's candy. I'm, I'm no. really trying to like. No, I hear uh, it. Um, I'm really trying to think. Okay, so big dragon, something eating it would have like maybe a big mouth, something with a big mouth. Piranha. Uh, you could do shark, shark people. Um, let's see. Ah, uh, it doesn't necessarily need sharp teeth though, because the cake right. is soft so a big maw um i'm almost thinking like something with a giant fucking mouth that's not a hippo it's not a hippo right it can't be a hippo (laughs) can't be a hippo damn it or a bovine uh or bovine um I don't know if I want aquatic because like yeah. an aquatic thing, I was thinking like a whale, but then the aquatic thing, you don't want that's wet and then it gets all soggy, the cake. So you can't have that. So uh, what about a pelican? There you go. They just swallow okay. it whole. Big beak. They're flying because the dragon flies mm-hmm. and they can swoop in. But. I mean, is that just an Aracocra, a version of an Aracocra? Can you have a Pelican Aracocra? Uh, I mean, we could make a subclass or a subrace of the Aracocra that's a Pelican. But they would have to be like, like the the equivalent of human is to like Goliath as Aracocra is to this subrace. This is like a, a half giant, like a, you know, okay. a giant. The Pelacocra? Like, the Pelicocra. <laughs> the large size Pelicocra. Okay. We going with it? We we going with the, the Pelicocra? <laughs> Might as well. I was gonna mess I'm trying to I love to go on to Google Translate yeah. and I'll if there's like a vibe, I'll kind of like translate descriptive yeah. words and like move the letters i don't know like I'll, i'm just What's pelican in latin pelican in latin that's great pelicanus pelican. <laughs> well that doesn't help us at all yeah that's just pelican with like anus at God, the it's end it's almost as if <laughs> big bird is magnus avis uh magnus is uh Avmag. Helicanus. <laughs> Wait. No. 
Magnus. I was gonna say, no, that sounds too much like Maga. That's Domino? Uh, dominant? Like the dominant bird? Domina? Hmm. All right. Let's back up. All right. Big giant bird. Big beak. We'll get like back to the gullet. name. We'll come like back to the name. Like a big gullet. Like a gullet. Yeah, like the, it's deep. Like it's, yeah. it swoops down. It's not like, yeah. And it can just like take big chunks out of these mm -hmm. cake dragons um it's gotta have it's gotta be whatever it's it can f so okay. we thinking it's, size it's large? large i'm thinking size large it's okay. feathers have got to be um it's texture though because the cake dragon can spew molten chocolate lava like a lot you know mm -hmm. so it's gotta it's gotta be somewhat resistant to that okay okay so it's got to, you know, it's very tarry, right? So it'd have to be, um, I don't know if it actually has feathers. Maybe it's more bat-like wings or the, or something that is, is, I'm trying to think of what would be, because I feel like the feathers could get fucked up really quick. What, what if like it can like, kind of like Kirby, it can like engorge its gullet and it just kind of floats like a balloon? Okay. <laughs> But yeah, it just it it with that giant gullet, not only for eating cake dragons, yeah, it can suck in ooh, maybe that's how Okay, let's back up a little bit. Okay. It has wings to glide, mm -hmm. but maybe how it actually gets lift is swallowing massive gulps of air, like stores the air in these like air sacs and be, turns itself into like a hot air balloon. And then it can release the air. Oh yeah, it like projects itself. Yeah, it, like, it, it flies in reverse. So it's like ex it takes the big gulp of air and then can exhale, and it's like flying ass forward. So would its eyes be on like a swivel, like a chameleon's, where it can like swivel to look back where it's yeah. going? Yeah, sure. What why not? Freak this thing is. <laughs> I love it. Okay, so um, abilities it would have inhale. Uh, yes. Uh, inhales uh, large quantities of air or like uh, uh, small size creatures with uh, have small size creatures have to make a um, dexterity save or something. Otherwise, they are inhaled by this creature and trapped mm -hmm. in the gullet. Yes. And then. I figure it could probably, I mean, with that wind, it could probably mm -hmm. um, have some powerful attack where it could like blow its air and like not just like knock you down, but like cause some real damage. A wind like, bullet. A wind, yeah, like like cut you like a like wind whip or something like that. Yeah, just like or not. Yeah, wind. It'd be more like a straight stream, but it could like pierce your skin. Wind harpoon. <laughs> yeah, I like that wind harpoon, wind spear. Wind javelin. I don't. Know. It basically can. Uh, it comes out like constant. Oh, I keep wind like, piercer. Like, mm -hmm. That makes it sound edgy. I like that wind piercer. Wind saw. I'm trying to think how the rest of it looks. I'm trying to picture this <laughs> fucking thing. I don't know. I I and, feel like it 
it's really awkward. Like it's got kind of just like lanky limbs and everything. It doesn't look very like. Oh, I like the idea of. Yes, I like that. Yeah. Lanky, long legs, long, lanky legs. Very top heavy, mm. though, where it's like a small, very almost like small, like pelvic yeah. area where the legs come to. It's always huge, like barrel chest. Yeah. And like it's very incredibly top heavy around to this like small head and this like massive it almost is like take a pelican and mm-hmm. like a bullfrog and like yeah. combine them where it's like yeah and then very, give him like, like shaggy's limb structure or proportions from scooby yes like his arms and legs and just kind of walk around and like how pelicans like, can completely open their mouth and like extrude their stomach or something it just mm-hmm. kind of walks around and then floats because it's its wings are very long, but they're not super full. They're not like mm-hmm. these big to carry because it's yeah. like, again, it's the sucking of the air that gives them the lift. The wings are more for like direction. Steering, yeah. Yeah. Um, as opposed to gaining lift. So. <laughs> God damn it. I love it. <laughs> but, like, <laughs> but I like the idea of they also can. If they get up above, they get up above the cake dragons, okay? Mm -hmm. And yes, they can propel. But what they could also do is use gravity where they just let the air out and, like, just let gravity pull them down. And they could, like, go right through Mm -hmm. a cake dragon, like, taking a huge gulp and just, like, this whole... Oh, yeah. Maybe, uh, like, its feet has, like, talons or stuff on it so they can, like, put their feet together or something or point them so when they exhale... They'll just shoot mm-hmm. straight down, kind of like a giant, awkward, lanky bird spear. Mm-hmm. Just like, and then they they take a big butt, and it's like it's like you know how like eagles, is that true or not? Eagles will fly up really high and then have sex on as they fall, and then they have to finish in time to not hit the ground. Is that true or not? Is that a myth? I don't know, I don't know but it but sounds baller. You never heard that? Okay, that um, but. Similar, mm-hmm. the Pelicocra has to get up high to feed, dive bomb the cake dragons, take a big bite of the delicious chocolate cake, mm-hmm. chew and swallow it and digest it in enough time to then take another big gulp of air to slow their descent so they don't crash into the ground in mm-hmm. time. And it's this very thing you have to practice from a young yeah. age, and it's just nature finding its way. Yeah. I love it. I like how they're more. They're, I like how it starts a race, but this is more of like just like an animal, like a like a nonsense. I feel like we're like. Well, uh, we'll give them some ability and store uh, ability score increases. Uh, I guess you could put it in anything nowadays. So ability score increases aren't. Or maybe that's like that's how their ancestors. That's how they yeah. evolved. And maybe there's some that are very like. Right. A. Uh, 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 um, abashed and embarrassed of where they've come from. They're mm-hmm. like, oh. Like, there's a whole subset of Pelicocas that are keto. Like, we don't eat cake dragons. We don't eat car. Like, they're just like, no, absolutely. Because the diabetic Pelicocrans, uh, they don't deal with sugary animals, sugary dragons. Uh, well, because they're living and they yeah. don't eat living things. So right. <laughs> they view as living. So there you go. I love it. Uh, I like just for. Uh, what weapon proficiency would they have? Like, what weapon do we think they would wield? A carving knife. Carving knife, like it. 
not carving another carving knife that what's that tr it's like a blade that kind of looks like that triangular uh like cake and pie serving thing oh that, like you cut it's it you got a sharp edge you it's like a, it, you cut you cut the confection with it and then you scoop up and lift it and serve mm -hmm. it it's like a triangular spatula yeah. with like a uh like a recess spatula or something yeah <laughs> But it's like you're talking about it's like you mm -hmm. cut the pie, it's got like a sharp edge and it's triangular shaped, and you cut like a triangular slice and then you slide it under perfectly and it lifts mm -hmm. up a slice. Like a weapon size, like a battle axe size version of that. Weapon proficiency? Battle spatula. Uh <laughs> serving knife? Serving? Cake serving. They are uh they Pelacroca values table manners over everything else. It's true. If you are to dine at a civilized, so that is their their that's where they've come from. The whole dive bombing the cake dragons. Right. That's like their ancient like they've evolved, they've evolved. Mm -hmm. If you dine at a Pelacroca's home, you must observe perfect etiquette. It's they true. are not. They are. They they are. They will. It is not unheard of for a Pelicocra to challenge someone to a duel to the death over uh, misuse of the wrong fork or spoon mm -hmm. at the dinner table. Oh, yeah. Um, also, that is their main display of attracting mates is being able to put on the best, uh, most uh, professional dinner parties um, and yes. settings. And uh, yes, I like that. It's perfect. Uh, it's a... Mm -hmm. stainless steel pie server is they're just pie they're just called pie servers or cake servers so battle pie server um sure yeah I mean one of the greatest uh, wars between noble families in Pelicroker society was over a, a deflated souffle uh souff the souffle wars of 35 that was mm -hmm. they lost a lot of good uh a lot of good nests that year. It was mm -hmm. it was a rough time. Rough time. The streets ran red with you know, spilled. Blood <laughs> and spilled and spilled wine. <laughs> spilled grenadine. <laughs> it's true because a, a palacoker will never drink alcohol when serving guests. They must always be perfectly uh sober. Because it fucks up your palate. Right to taste obviously mm -hmm. um and they're all about that presentation and everything they're they're like on um the british bake-off and everything like they would win everything but um expert okay so they have expert manners what what bonuses or boons would that do um so i guess it would be what could that do I guess you would be how would you I'm sorry mechanically in a situation where you had to um, deal with positions of power authority. I feel like what comes with that with that sort of snootiness is the ability to speak their language mm -hmm. to talk. Um, definitely gains maybe, you I think, advantage when dealing with those of noble backgrounds or on on. Uh, put it way, proficient in uh, persuasion. In pers yeah. 
Deception? I don't know. Yeah, I think there's a certain amount of deception that has, like, you don't hide, like, behind, you don't show what's behind the count curtain. Everything's just perfect, so you have to be able mm-hmm. to uh, ad- adapt when things go wrong or, or whatnot. Or... Yeah. Um, I know they're kind of getting away from like defaulting because you don't want to mm-hmm. like not to be like stereotyping races right they're kind of getting away aren't they getting away from saying like plus one to int or strength or something because it's like eh, you're kind of pigeonholing it's, like an entire people it's more like with the um abil- ability score increases you're just given you can give one stat plus one and one stat plus yeah. two um and then you can kind of reason from that so Mm-hmm. I'm looking to see um, what else would they I would say I would say they'd be proficient swimmers maybe because maybe they've dive bombed into the ocean yeah. I picture them as like a gulf like a like a coastal species yeah. and also they can suck in so much air they can maybe hold their breath for quite mm-hmm. a while I like it I like it cool um what's a wet food <laughs> like what would be a food that would be a sentient food thing that they would eat under the ocean uh, Sushi gummy fish, fish. <laughs> Gun, gummy, fish. gummy fish <laughs> they will they can eat an entire school of gummy fish in a single dive bomb <laughs> that is their main form of case. substance yeah. when they cannot find uh, devil's food cake dragons yeah. gummy f- schools of gummy fish I mean, I'm sold. I'm wondering, are they... Are they magically inclined or no? I feel like... Or I guess they're off across the board. Everyone can be. I think they're... They could be... They would be, like, really dexterous. Like, they... To, like... Yeah. Quickly set things down on the tray or, like, balance, like, the different forks or um, presenting, Excellent. like, trays yeah. of... Fo- uh, like, food and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Balancing them. I think so they'd good, be like, dexterous. A dex-based fighter, a rogue. Mm-hmm. Ranger, maybe, because they have the their mm-hmm. breath weapon, yeah. the, the piercing the, Ooh, the air yes. piercer. We want to flesh out what they can exactly do with that and how they can use that. But yeah, I feel like, yeah, uh, like parlaying that into like a specific subclass of like a, a variation of a ranger too mm-hmm. would be very interesting from what they can do from afar. Um, I like that a lot. I mean, even loading up projectiles into that mouth and oh, with yeah. the power of the wind, they basically create like a wind tunnel and just like basically give anything that's in their mouth, like the catapult. They can use basically catapult spell for yeah. free by inhaling something and then shooting it out. So it's basically yes. just a catapult yeah. That is a spell. great love, Scott. Perfect. Yes, that is an excellent little quirk. Hmm. I love it. And you could do Done, like cool things it. with like weird ass breath weapons with their inhaled mm-hmm. uh, 
things. It could also be like a shotgun or a blunderbuss like attack where they just uh, cow chops and their dinnerware and everything. And then just like all at once, it's just like a shotgun spray of various things. Maybe as like you level up their their gullet and everything becomes more like uh, stronger and hardened to be able to inhale bigger things or like more pokey or mm-hmm. or whatnot things. Um, I like it. Love it. Done. Printed. Cool. I'm gonna play yep. this. I wanna. <laughs> I wanna well, play. Let's. Are you t- are you typing all this up? Oh, I am. Uh, my plan is okay. Probably towards the holidays, compiling a list of all of the races and classes that have been made so far in a little like doc on maybe like D&D Beyond or something. And then being like, Merry Christmas, you can now play a Black Ooze mm-hmm. or a Palicocra. They haven't been balanced uh, and they might not make sense, but, <laughs> you know, homebrew. Yeah, I'm yeah. to find a good art. Like if, I kind of want to make this guy, these people. Um, I think they'd be also yeah. maybe as players a fun for a uh, a party to interact with is like to come across mm-hmm. like a township of them and just have to deal with mm. uh, Snorty yes yes I'm oh. Beasley the Pelicocra butler let me yeah like the party is receives mysterious invites to this dinner party at this mansion yeah. on the hill or whatever and it's dark and stormy and they walk in and it's they walk into a perfectly set table and everything and they're all on edge and then this lanky pelican person just walks out and is like please sit down <laughs> <laughs> no all their, all set- their butlers are or, all their butlers are penguin people yeah. <laughs> oh yeah well, with little bow ties it's like I'm sorry, madam. That is the salad fork. I, I would like. Please, please request. Do not use that one for dessert. Thank you. <laughs> and then, if they still do, well, then they're getting the uh, harpoon to the face. You know. Mm-hmm. That would be <laughs> just imagine. The party doesn't know, and you sit them down, and someone else, like another NPC, mm-hmm. fucks it up, and it's just like, and you see, like their face just caves in with a harpoon. You're like, what the fuck? Yeah. And it's like, like one of the maids or other butlers or servants or whatever accidentally just, drops a plate or a tray or anything, and just like it's mm-hmm. in a blink of an eye, like thunder cracks and lightning, and then the party looks away, and the person's just stuck to the wall, dead. And the the pelican, yeah. the pelicocra is just kind of wiping his his mouth. It's like, apologies for the interruption. It won't happen mm-hmm. again. How terribly embarrassing! I hate it when that happens. <laughs> it's an affront to myself, which I don't take kindly. <laughs> I like. I feel like there'd be a mm-hmm. lot of ancestor worship or like culture worship where mm-hmm. it's like we have to keep up appearances, whatever would grandmother think if we weren't. Uh, so there's a lot of maybe busts and portraits oh, yeah. always looking down around the dining rooms <laughs> of Pelicocra Hall are like just covered in like portraits and busts of like very of like mm-hmm. family members to like always be looking down on them. And like. Or their urns, or it's yeah, like oh, urn. yeah. it's like their their tombs are their no, dining rooms, no, or their it's family their like mausoleums. Set. 
it's like their uh, yeah. picture and then like their serving tray or something. And yeah. instead of like heroic battles of ancestors or whatever, it's like, that is my great great grandfather. He served a perfectly fine five course dinner me- er, meal during a hurricane with not even a drop spilled. Like it's all these like really well done mm-hmm. dinner parties that uh, just in horrendous conditions that they were able to c- complete exquisitely. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Be fantastic. Yeah, if you're if you ever want to flesh out the old Pally Coker sometime, I'm definitely down for a a, a deeper dive. Uh, but no, this I'm down. I want to play the Pally Coker. I I'm definitely filing them away as a uh a, a peoples to encounter on like a maybe like a one shot at some point just uh-huh. to try them out or something. See how oh, the yeah. party like reacts to that. Yeah, I mean like a haunted or dangerous dinner party just on its own is such a great one shot idea in a mm-hmm. mysterious old mansion but mm-hmm. Perfect. absolutely and I just want to see the art now too oh yeah just very like <laughs> chin up just very like just big bulbous it, like it has like a very uh, like just... old curly like handlebar mustache coming from like the top of its mm-hmm. beak or whatever yeah would the mustache be at the like the front end of the beak or up by like where the beak ends of the face I guess at the front end maybe on the tip whatever or, like... looks strangest and more comical <laughs> um, because they can't actually grow the facial hair themselves so they have to mm-hmm. actually have it tailored to them uh, yeah. so they each pelicoker places it differently to what they think is the most professional appearing uh, and they get like more ornate like mm-hmm. curly different curly different designs oh, dang yeah. it okay uh, maybe mutton Love chops is, is another one anything they find to be uh exude elegance and manners mm-hmm. um, is what they, they go for. I like the idea of canes being a big thing uh, ironically because they fly. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. <laughs> cane swords. They're just always carrying cane swords. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, oh, print it. Done. I love it. I love it. But... As you have said, you have three kids, uh, young children, so I will not keep you anymore, sir. This has been an absolute blast. But real quick, where can people find you, Pat, online? Uh, I know you touched yeah. on it a bit already, but where can people find you? Go ahead and plug your stuff away. Yeah. Um, I am across the board, the Pat Edwards on Twitter, the Pat Edwards Instagram. I mean, I'm most, I'd say I'm most active on Twitter uh, at the Pat Edwards Instagram, the Pat Edwards um, we've talked about a lot of different things I've got in the mm-hmm. works. If you just just take a minute, go to my website, thepatedwards.com. There are links there to our, to the social medias, to if you like comedic sci-fi, if you um, you know want to read a book series that is kind of a lower brow American <laughs> uh, hitchhiker's guide with lots of swearing and, and aliens getting drunk and getting shenanigans. Check out Space Tripping. Uh, the first one is available. Second one coming in December of 2021. And if you love RPG, listen to the show, mm-hmm. so you like RPGs, you can, you know, there's a link there for the Red Opera and I have others, you know, or come check out, you know, if you're bored Thursday afternoons at 2 p.m., go over to the Geekly Inc twitch channel and, and watch us play we have a really fun group of folks um 
it's all there. You, know, you can, there's a link to joining call the film on the, yeah, so just go to the pad uh, you'll be my best friend forever. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, this has been so much fun. Thank you for having me. No, it, uh, I thank you so much for joining me and this has been an absolute blast. Um, and of course, thank you to each and every one of you who's listened today. Be sure to rate and review us on your preferred podcast service as I'd really appreciate it. If you have an RPG you would like us to feature on an episode, tweet at underscore RPG University with the hashtag RPGU with your suggestion, or you can share your own favorite RPGs or RPG memories directly with me on Twitter at SolidSnake120. As always, everybody, stay safe, stay healthy, be kind to one another. May you always roll nat 20s. Class dismissed. <laughs>